This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. You remember. Roll your stealth roll. Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be. The Roll for Initiative podcast, we're in volume number eight. I'm Vince sitting along Nick. You're sitting along Nick? Alongside Nick. Leave me alone. Okay, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. We're back for another show. Uh, another show. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, we have a lot of feedback from the episodes that we've done so far. The first, at this point, to be six we've done of the cartoon recaps. Mm. Most people were concerned, a little weary at first about it, but as we do, we normally do, we pull through with some good information along with just a summary. So Nick and right, I discussing right. how we can use this in a campaign, how to make a hook out of it is uh, people were finding interesting. Uh, they like listening to it, and uh, they really enjoyed it. Um, Ian was the one that saw one of his comments on Google Plus about saying uh, he was enjoying the episodes. He had some initial concerns about it, but now he's actually enjoying it, and he's listening to the episode uh, before listening to the show. So just like your friend Jeff was doing it during the show. Oh, watching the episode, maybe along with our show and yeah. what have you. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. And he said, P.S., advertise your Patreon more. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll mention that. Thank you. There you go. You get early episodes that way. So anyway. Um, yeah, and, uh, oh, yes, there was another comment, and I forget. I think it was Dan. That's right. Dan on Facebook had written on our Facebook page, did you guys realize that the classes were from the Unearthed Arcana, but that book wasn't even out yet because the cartoon was in 83 when they were using them. To right. which didn't put that two and two together because most of these classes were already in Dragon Magazines at one point, weren't they? Yes. Um, in fact, if I remember correctly, I'm, I'm double-checking my, my resources here. Uh, they were in previous episodes of Dragon Magazine. I don't know which one the Barbarian and the, the Acrobat was. I do know which one I the uh, Cavalier is. I believe it was issue 72 where you have the Cavalier class. Okay. I, I could be wrong on that. I knew it. I thought it was somewhere in the in the, in the 70s. You're wrong! I don't know. But they, they were from uh, previous issues of Dragon Magazine. That, well, and that's what the that's what the, the, the Fiend Folio really was, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a compilation, really, of Dragon Magazine articles, and they had because the, they they were at the time when it came out in '85, it was strapped for cash. So yeah, they're like, uh, "We need to make money. Let's get all these <laughs> optional rules we've been getting together and optional creatures, and let's throw things together." Yes, exactly. And so they they took all, all those together and yeah, made them uh, put them in the. Yeah, what would become the Unearth Arcana? But they are from previous issues of Dragon Magazine. I just don't remember which one. I could be wrong on the the issue for the Cavalier. If I do, 
remember it was somewhere issue 70 something or another okay cool uh, if you guys have any comments or concerns, hit us up, rfistaff at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, RFI Podcast. And we're on Google Plus as well, our own community page where you can follow along RFI Podcast. Just search for that. You'll find it. Or it might be under Roll for Initiative. I forget how Google Plus puts us out there, but it's one of the two. Mm. Anyway, let's move on up to our next episode. We're talking about Prison Without Walls. Original air date, this would be the Halloween-ish episode, because it was October 29th, 1983. This got a 7.7 out of 10, which is a little bit higher than the normal rating so far. Except for, I think, one of them had an 8. But this is 7.7, and it was written by Steve Gerber. Do you know who Steve Gerber is? Uh, Why do I know that name? I'll tell you in a second. Steve Gerber is best known for creating and writing Howard the Duck for Marvel Comics. But... He was also the story editor for the first season of D&D. And, in addition, he created Thundar. Oh, there you go! (laughs) So, he was one of the uh, creators of Thundar, so that's why you probably recognize his name. Lords of Light! Yes. Ariel Ukla, right! (laughs) The summary of this episode is... Venger enslaves a gnome village with a powerful spell. Only a gnome wizard named Lukian can break the spell. Yes, gnome. Break the spell, but Venger had trapped Lukian in the most unusual prison. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So let's get into this one. Yes, let's. Guess, guess what? Hmm. We open up on another creepy, foggy plane scene. <laughs> no kidding. Where the group is lost, as usual. Wow. Who would have thunk it? But this time they claim to be following directions given by them to by Dungeon Master for days and haven't seen anyone or seen anything in days. So they've just been wandering because, around aimlessly. So he gave them directions. They've been wandering around for days and um he hasn't shown up. No. This is what DM did. He probably said, Screw you guys, just follow north. Goodbye. <laughs> and they said, Okay. I mean, they didn't give any clue to where exactly they were going until he shows up, so... But, is it so they can find a way home? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, We'll, we'll string you along. Here's a carrot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much that's every episode. Uh, finally, they do stumble upon what appears to be a valley entrance with some weird noises, and the group speculates what's going on there, but Eric storms up, saying no need to go in there. <laughs> but he stumbles into right. Dungeon Master. <laughs> yeah, and there's DM again. Who tells him... A heartless dragon lays in the mist, and there is no, and there is no portal to your home. Eric gets all cheery and says, "See, told ya." Mm-hmm. But then quickly gets interrupted by Dungeon Master, who says, "But if the dragon's heart is in the right place, he will show you the way home." I hate his riddles. The, mm. the group looks dumbfounded and apparently can't keep their eyes on DM as they look well, around, that's... and basically Presto is looking at Dungeon Master, and then he disappears. Right. So then the group heads off into the valley, and Presto says, wow, this fog is thicker than peanut butter. Who the hell says that? I have no idea. I've heard thicker than pea soup. I mean, thicker than, you know, uh, peanut butter? Peanut butter? Well, peanut butter is pretty thick. Now, is it chunky peanut butter? That's the real question. That'd be gross. Uh, So... Hank leading the group 
tells everyone yes. to hold it down, but fails to do his ranger duties of tracking and following a path, and they all fall off a stupid he cliff. He's the worst ranger ever. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, they were just like... Oh. I love it how he's like ahead and he stumbles off the freaking cliff. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. But they fall oh safely into a yeah. pit and land in a pile on top of each other. They start looking yeah. around. And it appears they're in a mining pit or a slave pit, and we see gnomes mining. And there's all, like, these gems and stuff, like, encrusted in the rocks around, too. Giant statues. And we get another overview shot of the area. We see some houses. Mm -hmm. We see more people. And then we get to see a giant metallic dragon statue with a noticeable hole size in its chest. And uh, I think Sheila may speculate, or Diana says, maybe that's the dragon. And these are the gnomes because one of them wears a red cap. <laughs> yes, correct. And why are gnomes They're and dwarves... They're going to do gardening. Why are gnomes and dwarves always the ones that are enslaved in this cartoon? I mean, it's just like... Because they're they wusses, I guess. I don't, I, know. I don't know. They're always tiny, too, compared to everybody else. But yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, then we see the orcs come out of the cave entrance into the pit, and we get the idea that these are slave miners. And Hank says, Venger must have to do with this. Of course. No. Because Venger has to do with everything because he hates you guys. It's too bad it wasn't War Duke. It would have been cool seeing him again, but hey. I, I Dungeon Master. Yeah. Dungeon Master. I got him. Yeah. Anyway. That would be cool. Yeah, he would be a cool recu- reoccurring character, but oh well. I thought so too. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And then uh, a gnome falls off a platform because he's so tired and can't work. The orc guard demands right. him to get back up and get to work as he slaps him with the whip. I know. Him. I'm trying to figure out how that one got by the the censors. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. The orc screams, there'll be no rest until you mine all the mystical gems for Venger. Gee, I guess it was his fault. <laughs> I guess. Bobby, of course, blows his top like a true barbarian <laughs> and mm-hmm. charges at the orcs, calling them nerds. Nerds! Yeah. Nerds! <laughs> and Hank jumps down with him to back him up, and everyone else is like, wait! <laughs> And uses his club and busts up the scimitars they got. I know. Really Did cool. you see? He he attacks them and smashes those scimitars in pieces with his ten year old rage. And it was going like kind of slow mo too. Yeah. The orcs, impressive. The orcs look at each other and they kind of split. <laughs> like what? There's yeah. your com- comic relief going on there. And then the uh, the I guess the captain of the orc guards, the guy with the big helmet. <laughs> yes. I guess the captain. I don't know the chief. Whatever calls for more orcs to attack, and the group does their thing, battling it out. Hold on, I'm grabbing my pen. Yes, get ready. At one yes. point, Eric is protecting Diana with his shield and screams, Presto! Which Presto says, here. Ugh. And Eric follows up with, I'm not taking attendance, you dork. We need help. <laughs> <laughs> Presto, Presto passes his duh moment. <laughs> Rolls successfully and pulls down the hat and chants about sending an orc on a trip, but he zaps the orc with the hat and it gives him a Hawaiian outfit, which replaces his. Yeah, he gets up in Hawaiian shirt, Bermuda shorts, and carrying a guitar. A ukulele, scimitar into a guitar. Yeah, his little ukulele, which he smashed on Eric's shield as he laughs. Eric just laughs at it. That was useful. The orc gets embarrassed and tiptoes off. It's like I guess that's the ukulele is like wah wah wah. I guess that's a score one for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then Sheila, actually using her cloak next, was actually pretty good. Um, I didn't write that down for some reason. Did I? Oh, she um, she goes invisible. Of that the 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 head orc there, I guess the orc sergeant maybe. Could be the orc captain. I didn't see what his rank was. Uh, the whip wraps it around him while she's invisible. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they the group that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, she finally did something right. Yeah, I put the group defeats all the orcs. I guess I just bypassed that because I don't know. I just thought that I that stood out for me because I'm like, holy crap, she actually did something besides just turning invisible and then getting captured somehow. Uh, so they defeat all the remaining orcs, but the gnomes uh, pretty much get annoyed, saying, no gnome can leave the valley and live due to Venger's spell. <sighs> and then, I love this line, Diana suggests, hey, maybe Presto's magic can lift the spell, which Presto says, yeah, right, maybe you can lift a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the gnomes didn't then tell the story about how only one gnome is the most powerful gnome called Lucian. That can, that can break the spell, and his magic has protected the valley for centuries, and since he wouldn't tell Vendra the secret of the heart of the dragon, he's been in prison in the Swamp of Sorrow. I know we've heard this place before. Yes. Haven't we? Wasn't there another episode of the Swamp of Sorrow? I thought so. It just sounded too familiar to me. I don't know, maybe it's just one yeah. of those things. It's one of those generic <clears throat> names that do sound... But yeah. apparently the dumbfounded... Well, by the way, the, the Presto count is up to ten. Ooh, all right, cool. I know. Uh, but, of course, they're all dumbfounded what this location is, because Hank's like, well, where is it located? And the guy's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's to the south beyond the forest. And the group goes, okay, and they head out. <laughs> Just like that. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to a creepy upside-down uh, Snake Mountain, which is Avenger's house. <laughs> it looks like Snake Mountain yes. turned upside-down and thin, but I, I kept saying that to myself. Avenger's house, it's awesome. In which we see the gnome that gave all the information to the group about the spell begging for Menger's mercy, who's sitting on a throne looking completely bored. Hmm. What a surprise. Orcs all around Venger explain the situation. The gnome explains what he told the group after Venger questions him, and then they send the gnome back to the pit. Venger calls in the shadow demon and orders him to fall. Which, you know, I have a pro- this shadow demon is just like Venger's bitch. It does nothing for him. It's just Ugh. I hate to do He's that. like it's like his version of email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he orders him Send this tweet, Shadow Demon. Yes, I need my PR stunt out now. I need to get all that popularity. Use uh, the poop emoji and LOL. <laughs> straight away. Uh so the Shadow Demon comes in and he orders him to find the kids in the swamp and prevent them from finding Lucian. Which we find out later on the demon does absolutely nothing. <laughs> like he's just like a, a really, really, really expensive messenger from the from hell. <laughs> Isn't the shadow demon supposed to be a powerful creature? <laughs> well, yeah, they kind of are because they are from. I, they are from like, well, the nether regions. Demon. <sighs> yes. So the demon heads off. Venger doesn't seem too worried, but he sends the orcs after them as well, just for insurance, I guess. Mm. <clears throat> so he cuts to the group in the swamp. Eric is complaining and whining. What a surprise. As usual. Yeah, I know. 
about this being bad information, that Dungeon Master pretty much screwed them. And Dungeon Master shows up with shows up and he agrees with Eric again. In which Eric is like, You agree with me again? Twice in one day? And then Dungeon Master agrees with him again, so that's three times. Hmm. Eric was right three times. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Dungeon Master explains that Lukian is in the worst prison of all, a prison without walls. The group speculates on what that is, of course, because they never... High school? Yeah, I mean, high school, parents, you know, basement, whatever. As they're doing that, they follow Dungeon Master, who walks inside of, like, a, a shrubbery or whatever the hell he walks into and poofs away. And uh, this is like, oh, this is the one where Presto was looking directly at him as he walked in and disappeared and couldn't figure out where he went. Yeah. Um... And then Eric rests on a mushroom, which turns out to be violent fungi. And are is that what those are? I thought so, just slightly modified because because uh, they got like tendrils. Yeah, according to the monster manual, they're usually encountered next to shriekers. Uh, shriekers are those uh, mushrooms that aren't really dangerous themselves, but they do shriek when they detect right. um, light or movement, drawing other monsters to see what's going on. Pretty much, that's the point. Violent fungi right. in the monster, uh, the monster, the monster manual are more dangerous than they were in this cartoon, because the tentacles tend to rot player characters' flesh, and this didn't do that at all. And I guess you couldn't have that. No, and they have less uh, tentacles according to the book compared to what this. I mean, you really couldn't make their flesh rot, so they just kind of had them tie them up. Which right. I mean, it's a kids' cartoon. I get it. Yeah, but then here comes the cool part. Yes. This is actually pretty cool, at least in my opinion. The group gets easily tied up in the tentacles of the fungi as a giant man thing from the Marvel comics shows up. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) What is it? It's a shambling mound. And a pretty creepy looking one, too, because it does kind of look like man thing. Which really, I found interesting how they drew the shambling mound, because how it looks very humanoid, and in various editions later... They show it to look like a giant blob, basically mixed of like mouths and eyes all over the place. But they drew it like a humanoid. How is that a shambling mound? I don't know. Anyhow, the creature saves the group, but Eric still doubts his intention and basically tells Hank to blast it. <laughs> In which Hank goes, okay. And what happens? His energy bow does... Nothing except the, the creature shambler absorbs it and grows in size and advances Which on the Which is group. just what electricity does to a shambling mound. <laughs> it's awesome. And then we go to a commercial break. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, a dollar fifty a month goes a long way. Thank you. And more cereal. And Nick goes, I gotta get my cereal real quick. Yes. We didn't have TiVo back then. I know. We come back and the monster is advancing on Eric and has him cornered, screaming for Presto to help. Get ready that pen. Who pulls yep. out a giant Looney Tune size weed killer spray, which like look like I'm the... like holy cow, what's going on? It must be more in tune with Presto now. In which he basically almost tosses away, saying, "Oh, that's worthless." <laughs> like what? Apparently, he can't read. Idiot. 
And then Hank quickly grabs it and says, hey, it's worth a shot. It really is like a plant. And he sprays the thing, which the Shanley man goes, and runs off. Yeah. I love it how Eric punches the thing and all this, like, oh, yeah, jelly the, stuff comes out of him. Yeah, I forgot. His shield gets, gets caught stuck. in there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. Hank gives Presto back the spray, which he puts back in his hat, by the way. Yes. Did you, did you know? Okay. <laughs> sure. I noticed that. Uh, the group mentions at this point they still haven't found the gnome in his prison without walls, so they just head off again anyway in the direction they were walking with no solid way to go. They just kind of shift off. We slowly dissolve to hours later as now it's dark and the group is walking through the swamp really tired, about to give up as Dungeon Master shows up walking alongside them, telling them not to give up young ones, giving them encouraging words, telling them you are closer to finding Lucian than you think. Couldn't he have just said you already found him? Hmm? No. Because hmm? what have we said for the whole time so far? DM is a dick. dick. Uh, <laughs> but then Sheila asks, but how will we know him? And which DM answers with by saying, by what he says without speaking, and you must hurry before the crossing of the four sons, as that as that is the only time you will find him and he can help you. And then he goes away. Yeah. Literally disappears in front of their eyes because they're just like... Rrr. And then, I love this line that Eric says as they're walking off to uh, before we get to the next uh, cut scene. He says... Uh, that's so confusing. And then Eric is like, to the group, what's so confusing? We just need to find the dragon without walls and the heart of the prison. That's all. <laughs> like, yeah. He can't even get the rhyme and rit- the things, the riddles right anymore. Uh, we cut to the four sons, which was mentioned, uh, and it pans down onto the kids walking up to an old, ugly shack in the swamp. It could right. have been Jason Voorhees shack for all we know. It might as well be what happens next. Right? They speculate that this could be the prison since it's so gross. <laughs> I think it was Sheila's right. like, this is gross. No, it was Bobby, I think, that said it was gross. I don't know, one of the two. Looking for 80s euphemisms in here like grody or or mm. like totally awesome or stuff yeah. like that. Gross. Eric decides that it's time to rest as he sees a bed that's outside on the porch and then basically hops on it goes, I could use some shut-eye, and then a hand busts through it and, and a zombie comes out and says, My bed. And then, like, and Sheila says, A zombie? Yeah, very good, Sheila. The group gets attacked by zombies, and they get easily grabbed and captured because these guys suck at coordinated combat. I mean, really, these kind of awful. Do. Uh, one thing to point out that I don't think I pointed out the last time we talked about zombies was that these zombies don't spread disease like they do in the monster manual. Because obviously the kids right. are being touched left and right by these things. Right. But the ground shakes as we hear a noise and the zombies get scared. Let me ask you something here. Mm. Zombies have intelligence of what? Three? Yes. One? Something like um, that. Or nil. Or nil. They're just non-intelligent creatures. Pretty much. But my question to you here is, since when do zombies get scared of anything unless it's from a cleric's turn? They don't. Because they, they, heard, just, the, they heard the ground shake. Non. Yeah, exactly. They heard the ground yeah, shake, they heard a noise, like this big roar, and they get scared and like kind of take off and like drop the kids and let them go. Yeah, technically their intelligence is zero. Yeah, so 
they would need intelligence to recognize the sound and the ground shaking. Otherwise, they would just continue to shuffle forward and do what they do. Right. And we find out it's the shambling mound, which Eric called Mr. Muckball. <laughs> I love some of his the way he acts all the time. Mr. Muckball. And who swings his giant club, and they get all confused, but um, actually it's a giant tree branch. And he smashes down the house, like completely smashes down the house by knocking over like one of the support structures on the outside. Smashing down the house. Oh, it's burning down the house. Sorry. Burning down the house. And the group now is worried that the mound will attack them, but Hank somehow pulls intelligence out of his ass and realizes maybe this is Lucian, echoing Dungeon Master's words by saying, Actions without speaking words. Duh. Okay. <laughs> and then it motions for them to follow him, which Presto deduces because he's like, and he's like, oh, he wants us to follow him. The mound leads them to a tree with a hole in it. <laughs> the group mm. looks in and sees some gems, some potion bottle, a wand, a book. Hey, treasure! <laughs> yeah, and which which Presto does, wow, it's magic stuff. He's qualified, dude. <laughs> oh, so qualified. Hankton figures out the riddle that Avenger transformed Lukeon into this mound, and in this form he can't speak or cast any spells, in which it's a prison without walls. The mound ah. thing. The shambling mound is shaking his head yes the whole time. Up and down. <laughs> Presto starts taking the stuff out. Lukeon comes over and snatches the gem out of his hand, like kind of creepily. Which yeah. he basically. Uh, Presto's just like gross. Because <laughs> the thing starts beating in his hand like a heart. And then Presto's just like gross. <laughs> It's throbbing. Yeah, gross. And soon they figure out, hey, it's beating like the heart, the heart of a dragon. Doi? Yeah. Lukian then motions for Presto to take the wand and do a spell over the gem to cast the spell to turn him back to his form, which he deduced basically from him going, and moving the wand over the gem. He's pretty intelligent. But Presto does what Presto does best. And tries to weasel his way out of it. Up. Yeah. What if I mess up and turn him into a bullywog? <laughs> but he he convinces himself to try it as the group runs and hides. Did you notice that? They took off yes. while he was doing the spell. Because they don't trust Presto, and neither do I. <laughs> Boom. It works. Does this count? I know. Does this count? Because um, it's not I the think hat. It, well, you're not using the hat, but he did something right with magic, so I'll give it to him. All right. Give it to him. Uh, we're up to 12 now. Presto count 12. Dun, dun, dun. For all of you people keeping score at home. And then there's like some magic light and this boom, ba bling, ba blam. And also we see Lukian in his gnome form with a weird symbol on his hat. And if you look up that symbol, according to Wikipedia, it's a Viking symbol oh. meaning heritage or inheritance. Oh. Yeah, I was interested in that symbol. I'm like, I've seen that before, so I kind of like Google mystic symbols, D&D symbols, and I found that one to be some type of Viking symbol. Okay. Which meant inheritance or heritage. I couldn't... It's oh. just basically two different ones. That's so. cool. And then the little guy waves his creepy finger and calls his wand back to him. 
And then Eric says, give me a break. What are you going to see card tricks next? Just show us the, home away, the way home already. He's more of a magic user than you are, Presto. So. That was Eric that said that. Sorry. Oh, that was Eric. Yeah. Sorry. In which he says, the answer you seek is in the heart of the dragon, in which once my fellow gnomes are set free, we shall see and cast the teleport spell on the group. And they zap away. And this is where we yeah. see the useless shadow demon not doing his job, watching from the sidelines, flying off. Good job, demon. You think he would have flown back already and told Venger what the heck's going on? No, he was just sitting there creepily staring from behind a plant. I hate yes. that shadow demon. He's worthless. We cut back to the slave pits where they appear. The orcs are hovering over the slaves as Lucian and the group shows up, and he quickly dispatches them with his magic. All the gnomes come running over with glee. Yay! The gnomes run up and say, thank you. We can never thank you enough. And Eric jumps in. Oh, yes, you can. Just show us the way home. <laughs> just straight well, to the point. Know. Straight to the point, Eric. Yep. Got and, the BS. And then uh, Lukian looks up in the sky and waits as the four suns pretty much align together. Yep. And he tosses that giant gem back into the heart of the dragon, which was that little hole we saw earlier from there. Which the sun signs down on the gem, like Raiders of the Lost Ark style going on here. And yep. it's like beam, like spreads out all over the place. Kind of cool looking. It was like a mat. It turns into it like. Actually, a... the special effect when it shoots out to all the other gems mm-hmm. looks pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, which is a map of the universe and that much more, poor Lukian. Because I think Hank said it looks like a map of the universe. And then he says, so much more. Uh, and then Lukian mm. also says, each point on the map is a gateway to another world. Hmm? So Eric screams, so point us to our gateway and get us out of here already. <laughs> Straight to the point, Eric, again. Mm. But Venture shows up on his nightmare and animates the giant statues that have been standing around into moving foes. Um, maybe they stone, could be... Stone golems. I w- yeah, I was going to say golems at this point. I mean, or otherwise it's just an animated object. I mean... I think mm. they're stone golems. I guess. I mean, either one works. Animated object or columns, whatever. Yeah. You make the call. Anyway. Stone golems. That works. The golem grabs Uni, and I was hoping he'd be crushed, but, you know, it didn't happen because Bobby's like, come on, Uni, use your teleport. And then, of course, Uni teleports into Bobby's arms successfully. Hank attempts what Hank does best, blasts things with his bow. <laughs> and it just bounces off the golem. Venger pretty much yeah. destroys part of the dragon statue with that little zappy thing that he always does. Yep. Frees the orcs from the magical spell that Lukion yeah. placed them in that. His I, vast army of four orcs. <laughs> well, you know, he can't afford that many. I mean, as we see in the next episode, what does he have? Four lizard men? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's like they can only draw four things at once. That's all they can do. <laughs> As uh, he frees the orcs and things start to look bleak for the group, Presto decides to use his hat and as a golem is attacking him and Eric and pulls out a ball of light which turns into a cannon. Presto, seeming pleased with himself, and tries to kind of brag to Eric who says, that's great, what are you going to do? Point it, at, point it at it and say, bang, conjure up some, conjure up some cannonballs. Cannonballs. Um, so do we count this as a success or not? Because this kind of gets used later on to destroy a golem, so... Uh, well, that uh, what remains we... to be determined. Okay. In which Presto says, oh, yeah, 
and starts looking in his hat and pulling out ball bearings, and he's just like, ugh, and starts tossing them as they're running. See, I would have, like, started tossing ball bearings into the cannon. That would have been, like, grape shot, and you could shoot it. But mm-hmm. that's just me. This is Presto we're talking about. Yeah, he's an idiot. Pretty much. His intelligence is, what, 20, but he acts like he's a 5. Yes. <clears throat> Lukian is now battling it out with Venger, but he defeats him by turning his own magic against him and kind of chasing him away at the moment. As we see Eric yelling at Presto to find the cannonball, stop throwing ball bearings on the ground. But, as we see, the ball bearings actually do something as as that one golem goes and slips on it and falls over and smashes it to like a thousand pieces. (laughs) The second one, chasing Bobby and Uni, Bobby stops and bangs his club against the ground and bangs the cannon like as like a baseball bat, smashing the metal part of the cannon into the sky, destroying the other statue instantly. And don't forget, Uni was actually captured by one of the golems. Uh, yeah, I said that a while back. Remember, I, want, I, was, oh, hoping, I was hoping Uni oh, would be right. crushed. Right, 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 right. And then tele- she teleported herself. Yeah. How do you determine Uni is a boy or a girl? Well, they keep referring to her as a girl. Okay. Because right. they said her, her a bunch of times. So right, I'm assuming. Right, right, right. Aren't unicorns female and. Right? I thought unicorns I, were automatically they female. Yeah, both males and females. Do they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I thought it was a Pegasus was the male version of a unicorn. No, no, I never thought of that. No. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, I would say the ball bearings and the cannons were one. Were would they be both together useful? I guess, or each of them? Well, no, each of them were useful because they were used against a different target. And he did so use the hat twice. So he did use the hat twice. That's two more. We're we're up to fourteen useful things, and we're only seven episodes in. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we'll see when the end will happen. We'll take the average of what it is. So, right now, it's averaging two useful things an episode. Well, we have still yet to get to the episode called Presto Presto spells danger or disaster, whatever it's called. So that's Presto spells stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I think it does actually. Uh, so meanwhile, Venture has regrouped and now is attacking Lukion again. They battle it out, and one of Venture's blasts bounced off Lukion's magic as he, they kind of do that, like, you know, whole bounce back and forth with magic, and it destroys one of the crystals on the wall, and something zaps Venger and he goes poof away. I couldn't figure out what zapped him. I couldn't either. I was like, what the hell? It looked like when it destroyed the crystal on the wall that the energy came out and zapped him. But that made me think of something which I'll tell you in a second. Um, the group celebrates but only gets bummed as they find out that their way home was destroyed by the magic and Lukian can't help, of course. Which, he points out that the crystal that was destroyed was the one for them to yeah. go home. Now, that right. crystal was destroyed and zapped Venger. Does that mean Venger went to their world? No, but Eric gets triggered. <laughs> yes, Eric loses his mind as Hank calms him. He just like goes, he like throttles the freaking gnome. <laughs> yeah, they walk off saying we'll never find our way home. But then Dungeon Master shows up and says, "Yes, you will." And, and that's pretty much yeah. the end. He just says, "Yes, you will." Yeah. You'll find a way because I'm not going to tell you now because I'm a dick. <laughs> so this one. I was thinking about turning this into an adventure because we like mm. to do that now. So I was thinking, 
your group, uh, so this is, oh, let's see how I wrote this here. Okay, your group stumbles into a town where various people are getting kidnapped one by one each night. The mayor of the town begs the group to help him find the townspeople before everyone is kidnapped. And based on rumors that people are kidnapped or getting enslaved by the mist monsters to dig for treasures for eternity. That's kind of the hook line there going on. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> then the mayor goes on in a long, drawn-out speech about how the crystals... Uh, there was a crystal that protected this village from the mist monsters, but it's been stolen by insert big bad of the week here or your reoccurring villain here. Right. Now the group has two quests at this point. One to go find out what happened to the townspeople, rescue them. And also since that really won't solve the issue because of the mist monsters, find the big bad who stole the crystal and return it to protect them against the uh, mist monsters. This right. could easily be a long arc in a campaign, depending on how you play it out. A big bag could be a reoccurring villain, along with a new monster called the Mist Monster. That's how I figured mm-hmm. out I would run my my adventure on. What do you think? That sounds good to me. Absolutely. And either way, I, I could see how it could be just maybe a one-two uh, session game, or it could be a whole like story arc. Yeah. I could see it happen that way. Absolutely. I mean, that's how I would do it in there, because I know people are wondering more about how we would hook this into a game, but there. Right, right. Stat up a missile monster. I I had to figure out a way how to uh, involve the creatures and the crystal, and I'm thinking, like, when I was thinking the mist monster, I was actually thinking of the slee stacks, and then when I was thinking of slee stacks, (laughs) I was thinking of the stupid crystals they used to use to defend themselves. Oh, my God. Yeah, Land of the Lost came into my mind for some stupid reason. That's awesome. So, yeah, there's your uh, hook. There's your adventure. That's episode seven. What do you think out there, folks? Let us know. Comment on our posts. Write us and message us. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter at The Evil DM on Twitters. And I will respond as soon as I can. So, with that said, we're going to say goodnight, everybody. Everybody, go for initiative.